Hello everyone, this is Alex, co-founder and CTO of Agent Risk, and this is Between Two Funds. On this podcast, I talk to successful founders who share their stories on how they've helped build great companies, touching on the events and strategies that brought them success, and what they're working on today may be building another startup, investing in other startups, or just enjoying life. On this show, we also talk about the Los Angeles startup ecosystem, what makes it such a great place to build a startup, and surfacing what we can all do to make this a startup epicenter. A reminder, the content here is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as investment advice. Under no circumstances should any of the information provided on this podcast be construed as an offer soliciting the purchase or sale of any security, nor should it be construed as an offer to provide investment advisory services. The content speaks only as of the date indicated. Agent risk employees may hold positions in companies mentioned in the podcast. So welcome back to the podcast. Today is a special one to, uh, since we have with us Jay Kistler on the show. Jay and I go way back uh, and he was the co-founder and CTO uh, at Imaginetics, uh, the first startup that I was ever involved with. And it's been pretty, you know, pretty uh, special time for me. Uh, so Jay trusted me to be part of the very early team at Maginetics, uh, a team of which I made many, many lasting friends, mentors, and honestly, without whom, you know, probably would have not been here doing, you know, cool new things at uh, Agent Risk. So Jay, welcome to the show. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a nice one. Thanks, Alex. It's great to be reconnected with you. Absolutely. Uh, so I'm, I know I've heard some fragments of the story, you know, from different people, but uh, walk us through Imaginatics, like early days, like how this, this came to be, you know, like the day zero. So we, um, we got started um, almost 10 years ago. Uh, I had been at Yahoo kind of um, biding my time, getting a little bored, um, but waiting for another right uh, partner to show up and the right idea to gel. And uh, by the spring of 2010, um, decided to make the move and uh, fortunately got connected immediately through uh, a friend to Amarjeet Gill, who was who I had known uh, from uh, prior years. We both worked at DEC together, uh, but hadn't known him well. Uh, but anyway, at that point, he had already done um, three successful startups here in the Valley, was looking for something else to do. And uh, we kind of sat down, had uh, coffee a couple times. I pitched some ideas to him. Um, he was kind of open to anything. He just wanted to get back uh, on the horse and do another startup. And um, we incorporated really without having a complete idea of what we were going to do, but um, uh, we had an area picked out, um, you know, cloud storage, and uh, that wasn't really his background, but uh, he, uh, he was enthused about uh, getting into that market, and uh, it was great for me to have him as a partner because he, he knew the sales and the finance side, and um, had tons of credibility uh, from having done these earlier startups. And we had, uh, as I said, several mutual friends who could vouch for us. So I think we were extremely fortunate, or I was extremely fortunate that it uh, 
came together um, without a lot of drama or um, back and forth. It was just kind of, okay, let's do it. He had, uh, he had great uh, background in uh, starting companies, all the logistics, uh, you know, from the attorney, the right attorney to use to um, an outsourcing HR firm which um, was a lot of help in kind of doing um, a lot of the busy work to get going and manage the company and so on and um, really let me focus on um, refining the the product idea um, doing uh, getting started on the technical hiring and uh, and that sort of thing so it was uh, it all came together in that summer of 2010, we got, um, we're fortunate to get uh, an advisor on right away, technical advisor who had been my uh, graduate school advisor many years before, uh, Satya, who you, you know and probably have good memories of. And uh, he was great in helping us um, kind of uh, review ideas. And uh, of course, he's, a, he's an expert in storage, a long expert in storage. And uh, so he, he had tremendous technical insights and also connected us to the first, several of the first few employees that we hired. Um, our very first employee, uh, Neeraj Tolia, was another of Satya's advisees who would come along after me. And um, he was, uh, he eventually became our VP of engineering and has gone on to found uh, uh, a new startup, and uh, he had uh, a wealth of connections, uh, and I think one of which may have even led to you, Alex. Uh, I know uh, through DeWalker, I think Neeraj may have connected us to DeWalker, and then through DeWalker, we got to you. So uh, it was a uh, it was a pretty uh, fast growing and highly productive family tree there. Absolutely. So it, it's a little bit complicated because. You know, same with uh, the number uh, in the team that I was, me between me and Nate, uh, because one got hired earlier, but the other started later. Uh, it's also the path that led me there, but it was multiple people, which also, you know, same what you were saying earlier. It was multi through multiple people, including uh, one was Perek, who knew Anoush. Uh, so that was right. that one, the other one. Um, and anyway, it was, it was phenomenal uh, for me. I learned quite a bit, both, you know, technically I grow, you know, tremendously there, but also seeing uh, everybody else above me, including, you know, you and Amarjeet, uh, which is, you know, to date, you know, the most impressive, humble salesman, which you don't see uh, ever really often, uh, you know, powerhouse. Um, yeah. And so for people that, you know, they haven't followed that space in, you know, that well, you know, if you step back back then, you know, AWS was not even, you know, a separate thing, separate page in Amazon's uh, balance sheet and quarterly earnings. They had, you know, three products, if I remember correctly, you had compute, storage, and maybe that was it. Um, so there was a lot of enthusiasm about cloud and what it means and how it comes into the, especially to the enterprise, right? It's a foreign thing. Um, and for me, looking now back, it seems that Maginetics might have come to be a, a sort of this transition phase from like what maybe we can roughly call big box enterprise uh, companies like Cisco 
to a SaaS enterprise and like, you know, Box, uh, Slack and Zoom, right? Do you agree this, this, that this would feel like this was kind of the timing? Oh yeah, it was very definitely a transitional period. And, uh, you know, sometimes I go back and wonder whether we started a bit too late or started a bit too early. Uh, but there was definitely um, momentum building in the cloud uh, in cloud technologies. I mean, as you say, it was fairly early days for AWS. They'd been going for three or four years and you could tell that they were, it was going to be sustainable and they were really onto something, but it really was just kind of compute and maybe block storage and object storage at the time. And um, it was still, um, it was still a, a, a tough art, a tough uh, discussion with many enterprise customers about moving to the cloud, you know, security wise, reliability wise, cost wise, there were unknowns. And, um, you know, of course there were, there were many early adopters and, and that's really who we went after, but, um, you'd find, uh, in a lot of cases, there was a, an enthusiastic early adopter within a company, somebody who, who saw the vision, bought the story and so on. And, uh, you'd get really excited after talking to that person. But um, after several conversations, you'd come to discover that, well, they hadn't really sold the rest of their team, their management, um, their board. And uh, it, was a, it was a pretty still and long and involved uh, process then to convince people back, you know, 2010, 2011, even up to 2013, 2014. Um, that's, I think, really when the tide began to turn in enterprise. Uh, but it was, um, yeah, it was, an, there was a lot of experimentation and, uh, a lot of, um, uh, you know, discussions that, uh, that went through multiple paths in, into organizations. Yeah, absolutely. And then it was around that same time that we saw a lot of this, you know, bottom up adoption channels that, you know, a few people in one small team started using a thing like Slack or what, what have you. And then they got the momentum that like a big chunk. Now this team is using it might as well. I'll switch uh, versus, you know, this top down, you know, we should all use this X technology that it's probably in our data center and it has to go through architectural reviews and uh, security officer reviews and things like that. Uh, so definitely. Yeah, that's right. the, the CIOs at the big companies were very skeptical and you could get in endless discussions uh, trying to convince them the the real path to success was was bottom up, you know, finding somebody enthusiastic who had, you know, some resources they could hide um, within their department or something and, um, you know, not hit the radar of their CIO or CSO and, um, you know, really build uh, by example internally. I think that's how the battles were won. Right. Um, so another question that I got this, you know, myself asked quite a bit and a lot of people around me are now asking me as if, you know, I'm still learning. So I don't know why they even do that, but is it's two things, right? So one is finding the right partner to do this. It seems it's even bigger like deal to find the right co-founder or co-founders than perhaps choosing a partner in life. Uh, <laughs> Maybe it's an easier divorce than, you know, separating company, but that's a whole different thing. And then also, you know, 
coming in as a you know repeat founder, you know, there's certain things that are easier, become easier, as you said earlier, you alluded, you know, some of the technicalities, you know, the the busy work, but also other stuff. Um, so what do you think was there? You know, it looks like it was a little bit of a combination of both. Um, so so someone that, you know, someone starting to date, you know, first time founder, what would you maybe recommend that they could look into finding someone that maybe have not, because ideally people say, you know, okay, someone you could work with in the past is ideal, but it's not always the case. Um, so what would you have to say to that? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, the first thing to do is to look at your, you know, skills and your interests and figure out, you know, what you're good at. And uh, hopefully it's several things, but ho- and hopefully you're really good at um, a couple. And, um, you know, then figure out uh, what's missing. You know, what do you need? If you're the technical guy like I was, um, I was pretty good at evaluating technical talent and, and um, evaluating product ideas. Okay, that's great. But, you know, I didn't know anything really about um, the fundraising process, the uh, marketing side, um, the legal, you know, all of the, the kind of um, uh, startup issues outside of the, the technology side. And uh, so it was. It was obvious that I needed a um, a partner who was was skilled in those things, and um, you know probably wasn't going to duplicate uh, my technical um, skills. But that's okay. You know, we each needed to bring something to the table. So uh, you know, I would say unless you happen to be that you know very rare person who's who covers all uh, you know the full range of of. Um, uh, of needs, you know, from marketing to sales, to finance, to product, to technology, um, you know, look for somebody who compliments you. And, uh, you know, it seems obvious, but, uh, I think many people tend to go out and find, you know, uh, look first at friends who they've worked with before, maybe in the same groups and probably duplicate each other's skills. So, Fortunately, we didn't uh, we didn't fall into that trap. Um, Amarjeet and I, you know, definitely complemented each other. Uh, there wasn't a lot of duplication, and uh, we did have the benefit of knowing each other at least a little bit from the past, which was comforting. And even even more comforting uh, was the fact that we had mutual friends. So I think that was a bonus that we were already sort of comfortable with each other. But the biggest win and, and uh, the thing that I would you know, encourage prospective founders to focus on uh, would be, you know, complementing your skill set, uh, not duplicating it. Absolutely. And then now if you were going to do it again, or you know, at least from what also maybe you want to have seen from Amarjeet, what kind of maybe becomes easier and then what is always hard, no matter how many times you've done, you've, you've done this rodeo? Yeah, if I was going to do it again, uh, it would be a little bit different because uh, yeah, I was fortunate uh, enough to uh, to work with Amarjeet for for five years and uh, learn quite a bit about um, those areas where I, I didn't have prior expertise. Um, you know, he was he was very open to having me participate in um, you know the financing part. Um, the logistical part, uh, the kind of business management, the sales, and so on. Uh, I mean, he didn't 
he didn't throw things over to me and say, you know, take off if I wasn't ready. But uh, he was gracious enough to help educate me in those areas. So uh, at this point, you know, I, I, I am better rounded, I guess, in um, sort of knowing um, about uh, most of the aspects of um, starting a company. So uh, it would be uh, more reasonable for me now than it was five, uh, ten years ago to uh, do something uh, as a singular founder. Uh, however, I probably still would look for somebody who complimented me. Um, you know, there's, there's certain areas that I think are still not my core strengths, and I would look for somebody who was strong in those areas. And, um, you know, even apart from the, the complimentary aspect, I think it is helpful to have a second or a third person in there who, um, you know, can debounce your ideas. Um, uh, we're not, it's not the case that all of our ideas are great and all of our decisions, uh, initial decisions are the best ones. So, you know, I'm a believer in um, kind of joint decision making. Uh, but it, it is true that if I were starting over again, um, there would be kind of fewer other bases I would need to have covered. Oh yeah, definitely BS detector is a number one skill uh, one needs to look for in a co-founder. Yeah, and if and if not, you know, they should also should ideally they'd be smarter than them, um, at least in some things, um, for sure. Um, now it it seems that you know. Imagine X was, and I don't remember much about aside of the technical things I was focusing, but it was the pattern of the company that had an early idea, hey, this is what we're building, kind of makes sense and the market will want it. But it was a hard R&D, uh, it's an R&D heavy product that needed a lot of work until we even had you know, something to show for it, right? Versus yeah. you know, a small website that you know, incrementally you push features you think there is still a place for this? You know, is 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 there still this risk makes sense to stay in a vacuum and build for you know eight, ten months, twelve months until you even have something to show to the customer? Um. Well, that's partly a question for you know the funders and what their what sort of appetite they have these days. Um, you know, it is true that there's a lot more infrastructure out there now. You don't have to reinvent as many wheels to get going. Um, and so I think you can do interesting stuff um, now a bit more superficially or in a more nimble way than you could eight, ten years ago. However, um, I think for really game-changing uh, products and technologies, though, they still usually require pretty deep investment and a lot of heads down. And, um, uh, you know, there's always going to be, uh, I think a place for those kinds of products and companies. Um, a lot of it will come down to, you know, who can you convince, um, in the funding space to go along with you on that? And, uh, what's the rest of the market doing? I mean, what's the competition doing? Um, you know, how rich and, and, and how, uh, uh, you know, how much is there in the area that you want to target. Um, so I, I don't think I could give a, a blanket statement on that, but I, I feel pretty certain that there's still a role for that type of company. 
Yeah, I agree. And, you know, definitely the example of Stripe comes to mind, you know, if you followed their early days, how they did exactly that, right? So two brothers, co-founders, uh, they said, hey, we need some money. We need to solve, you know, want to be the economy of the internet and, you know, moving money around is difficult, right? And we want to make it easy for the end uh, developer and user. So I think there were over 18 months in development uh, without nothing to show. And then, you know, in the end, the only thing I had to show is 10 lines of JavaScript that you just install in your website and start collecting payments. <laughs> um, so sometimes, yeah, the big things uh, definitely take time. Yeah, but there's an awful lot behind that, of course. And um, Oh, absolutely. You know, it, it, we had the, we, we were able to do a deep uh, development cycle I think in part because Amarjeet had so much credibility in the investment space from having done um, multiple successful startups and, and semiconductor startups that by their nature require a lot of investment uh, that we could get the money. So we weren't kind of forced to pick a, you know, quick and dirty path. And, um, you know, maybe in some respects, if if we'd been forced to, we certainly would have done certain things differently and, you know, maybe we would have gotten to a different end, a better end state. I don't know. I'm fair. I'm still ha happy with the end state we got to, but, um, you know, it's interesting to look back and see, well, if we had taken a different path, where, where would we have ended up? Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a good segue, right. About talking about the, the end game. So walk us a little bit, the process, process of the exit. I mean, I'm sure every deal looks different, uh, if you, you know, look behind the scenes. But having gone through that, you know, you're a lot more privy than I was obviously with this. Um, what would you maybe tell to people that, you know, they are founders, they may be having a, a way out that's good or decent. Mm -hmm. And what would you say that people should be careful about this process, especially if they're first time around? Um, and of course a good deal, you know, someone might jump on this, right? So something that, things that maybe they can look uh, into to make sure they have the best outcome for them and their team, you know, obviously if they care to get the good, uh, to make their team good. Yeah, we had, uh, we had kind of an interesting path and, and I think there's a, a double-edged sword here. So um, one of the things we did, the key thing we did that was driven by Amarjeet and based on his experience um, was in, in our initial round of funding um, he sought out um, a strategic partner to come in um, into that first round. And it turned out we got two strategic partners to come in, which was okay. Um, but that was that turned out to be key because you know one of those strategic partners ended up acquiring us. And um, when you get into this sort of arrangement, um, you know, frankly, that's often the outcome is that that strategic partner will, ultimately acquire the uh, the company they had an interest in um and that uh, that can be a good outcome um the thing to watch out for is um you are sort of you're not completely captive to that strate uh, strategic investor but um they certainly have an early dibs on you um you know they have um, visibility into what you're doing earlier on and where you, what you may do and the strength of your product and technology and so on. So you can get um, sort of boxed in by that. I think in our case, um, 
Amarjeet was nimble enough to um, make it work out well for us to avoid kind of the traps of being, um, you know, captured by your strategic investor. Um, we always had enough other parties uh, interested, um, either as partners or, or or suppliers or other kind of uh, uh, agents in the in the food chain that um, uh, might end up acquiring us. And so we, he, he was able to play it um, very well. Uh, now, I, I think that's the sort of thing that a first-time founder would have a very hard time managing. I, I know I wouldn't have been able to do it um, on my own. Um, but again, because he had the expertise or the background, the familiarity with it, he was able to, to work that um, strategy really uh, quite well. Um, I think it's much more common... Um, to not have strategic partners early on and have your, you know, your venture funders or your angel funders or whoever, whoever may be putting up the bulk of the money um, to be this kind of the steering agents um, for possible acquisition. Um, but, um, you know, we were able to go uh, the strategic uh, partner route and, um, you know, retrospect, I think that was, that was a really good call. That's great. Um, and of course, it's probably very hard for first time founders and, you know, um, having the right people in the team to help you early on can be a good call uh, in this case. Now, go through your exit, right? And this is all good and fun. You know, this was, you know, this is the rare occasion for most startups, right? Usually uh, death is a common one. <laughs> right. uh, um, so what's maybe the most prudent thing you did after the exits uh, money-wise, because it was, a, it was a decent exit, right? So it was not an acquire, it was, uh, so what, and then on the flip side, maybe what was the most non-prudent thing you did or more fun thing you did? <laughs> uh, well, you're, you're right. It was a good exit. Um, uh, everybody, especially some of the investors would have liked, uh, you, you know, a bigger exit, but, um, you know, hey, with it, Certainly can't complain. Um, I think the most prudent thing uh, I did was to not make any rash move. Um, uh, we, uh, my wife and I, already had a um, investment advisor um, with one of the major banks. Um, it was mostly to start retirement accounts um, prior to the exit, and uh, you know, in a modest um, kind of portfolio. And um, we just kind of directed the money, um, uh, the payout into that, um, you know, that same set of accounts, didn't do anything crazy, um, got connected with uh, some tax advisors to help us kind of manage um, the implications of, of a windfall, which can be quite substantial. And um, so we, we just didn't do anything rash. Uh, now, ultimately, a couple years later, we moved on from that advisor to a more structured um, uh, wealth management firm, um, who I think has, you know, smoothed out our portfolio and balanced things, and um, is providing a lot of good um, kind of management for us for a fee. And I'm happy with that. But um, I'm glad that we didn't. Um, do something crazy uh, right away. We uh, just got the tax situation sorted out and then uh, kind of got used to um, 
uh, the changes that were coming for us. Um, what's the right. what's what's the uh, uh, what's the opposite of that? Um, I'm not I'm not sure. Um, we didn't make any major mistakes, I don't think. Um, that's crazy. Not yet. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, where do you think was the biggest value you had by working with a professional to manage uh, to manage your wealth? That's maybe you know we're all you know highly educated you know STEM uh, right. people. That's a lot of us. We think, hey, we know all that stuff. Um, so, what do you think is the biggest value you got from working with a professional? Um, you're right. I, I did look at. Um, at a couple points of perhaps just managing our portfolio myself, I, you know, said, you know, Hey, I, I could figure this out. It's not that complicated. You buy ETFs and mutual funds and you balance them and so on. And I considered that. Um, but the more I looked at it, the more I thought about, um, you know, that's an ongoing, uh, requirement. It's not something you do just once and forget about it or once a year. Um, you really have to be paying attention um, to anticipate any big changes or to respond to big changes in the economy. And, uh, you know, I felt that, um, well, I might be able to do an okay job for a while. Uh, I really didn't want to drop the ball and um, kind of risk my family's financial future. So I began to kind of look harder at the um, having a, a professional, you know, do the work for us. And um, we eventually became quite comfortable with the tax firm that we'd been using. Uh, and that's who we're with now. And a big win for us there was that um, because they have a, uh, a tax consult consultation arm and a wealth management arm, they can work together to uh, kind of do the right things as far as um, investment horizons, you know, planning, uh, 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 when to take uh, gains and when to defer them and just kind of integrate all that together. So I would say the, the two big wins for us are, you know, having professionals always on the job um, and um, having that integrated um tax, uh, guidance, um, that just take, that just took a big load off my shoulders and, um, you know, I'm happy to, uh, to pay them a, uh, the fee in return. Um, in my view, it's, it's well-earned. Absolutely. And this is what we hear from a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of our own customers are entrepreneurs and a lot of them either are still doing stuff, they're, uh, active and they, enjoy the fact that it's uh, things are taken care of because, you know, especially if there's keep building a new business, you know, distraction can be killer, uh, especially if, you know, money can be a pretty stressful distractor. Um, so I hear exactly what you're saying from other people in our, in our customer base. Um, and then we've seen other people, you know, they do stuff aside of that in, in, in a way of giving back, like, you know, Many go do angel investing, they donate to causes, you know, help other entrepreneurs start in, in different ways, monetary or, or that, uh, in all sorts of ways, right? Um, have you been, is there something that, this is something that you had 
kind of uh, been meaning to do and have you found ways to meaningfully give back? We've done a, yeah, we've done a couple things and that's, um, you know, I think that's a, now a lifelong um, obligation really. Uh, it, it won't stop, but um, the things that we've done are, uh, you know, first right away, we made um, some, some decent sized charitable gifts to um, uh, institutions that had uh, helped us get where we, uh, where we were uh, both for my wife's side and, and my side. And uh, we felt good about that, giving something back to um, institutions. And, uh, and there's been ongoing giving since then. Um, and the other thing is I have done uh, a certain amount of um, advising and angel investing. Um, not a great deal of, an, of angel investing, but, um, you know, two or three um, in two or three cases, we've put money in uh, to new ventures that have been started by typically by people I've worked with before or family members, uh, you know, people who we wanted to encourage and um, you know help them get started. Um, and have I've continued to advise on a you know, kind of casual basis um, several of those companies. And I'm still open to that, uh, especially for um, uh, companies started by, you know, friends of mine, people I've worked with in the past. Um, you know, anybody who asks for help certainly gets a meeting and i um, happy to share what I, you know, what I know and the lessons I've learned. Um, I've been out of it for a few years, out of the, the front line. So uh, my advice is probably aging a bit, but, um, you know, I... I I um, am always happy to sit down with a prospective entrepreneur and, and you know, have a chat and uh, offer encouragement and, uh, you know, in some cases, investment. Oh, that's great. And I would definitely take this any given time. You know, I remember definitely through our interactions, uh, you, your BS detector is super strong, uh, you know, especially in technical stuff. Uh, you're definitely, I remember you as the doubter, you yeah. know, like, okay, pr prove it to me kind of person, uh, which is great. And this is kind of what you want to have. Uh, and on that note, you know, I think it might be fun to lead this off with uh, what's maybe one, like a interaction or memory you have of us working together on those like super fun years. Oh God, we had we had such a great team, especially that first uh, you know ten or fifteen core engineers of, of which you were a part of. Um, you know the talent level was just so high, and the enthusiasm level. Um, I have very fond memories of um, of the hack the hack days that we did. I think um, that, that came along a couple years into the start of the company, but um, I don't know whether it was DeWalker or Deep D or you or somebody suggested we do one. And uh, I think we ended up doing about one a quarter. And uh, that was so much fun to see what people came up with, the kind of wild off, off, off the wall ideas, things they hacked up, you know, staying up 24 hours and then we'd have a little, um, you know, evaluation and uh, award ceremony and so on the next day. Um, 
many of those ideas actually made their way into the product or influenced uh, the product as well. So uh, I think those those 24 hour hacks were um, were pretty special, and uh, that's the kind of thing I miss, um, uh, you know, from uh, from our time together. Yeah, this is absolutely great. Uh, I I I think those, and I say I'll say this again when I said in the beginning. Uh, this was an incredible time for me that was shaped things very. Uh, Profoundly, you know, with all these strong connections that I made and that have keep now very uh, warm through the years. So, uh, yeah, as I said, this is a very, very special uh, episode we're doing. And Jay, thanks so much for coming. Uh, definitely went down the memory lane, uh, and I'm sure people will have a lot of learn to, to learn from from this journey that are listening to this episode. Um, if anyone who wants to reach out to you to maybe you know get your advice, you know your expertise definitely is in the deep tech, you know storage and you know infrastructure systems and things like that. Um, is there where where can you where can they find you? Are you a star on TikTok yet? No, no, I'm old school. <laughs> have, have, have them send me a, a, a direct email. Um, that's the best way. Um, it's been a pleasure to, to talk with you again, Alex. And, um, you know, I, I, one thing I wanted to say was one of the most satisfying parts of the whole experience um, is to see this, what happens uh, with the seeds that you've sown as an entrepreneur and a, a startup founder. Uh, that is to see um, what companies get started by those early employees, you know, by the Neeridges, the, uh, the Alexes, uh, the Julios, the Duwakers. Um, you know, and it, it's extremely um, uh, pleasing to me to see, you know, what you're doing and, um, you know, the other companies, the other technologies, the other products that, um, you know, kind of added on to the tree. Um, in, in retrospect, that that is one of the most satisfying takeaways from the whole experience. And uh, I'm sure you'll get you'll get to that part of the experience eventually as well with the people that you've hired and inspired and, and trained and, um, you know, watching what they create in the future will be, um, I'm sure a source of satisfaction to you and John. Oh, definitely looking forward to this. Again, Jay, this has been a pleasure and I'm looking forward for all of this craziness to come down and we do a proper, um, beer clock together at some point. Anytime, Alex, I look forward to that as well. <laughs>